welcome today Pastor Merle Ewing to the cause of the times to minister the word of the Lord to us. Thank you, Brother Bobby Edwards. Thank you, my beloved friends, the Mangans. And what a beautiful, exciting meeting. I want you tonight, today to pardon me for just a while as I lay the foundation for what I want to speak. And don't don't go to sleep on me at first because it'll take a little change. But I feel today that God has impressed something on me that evidently somebody is supposed to hear. And I turn your attention to the beautiful Word of God. John chapter 13 And I read verse 27. It reads like this. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. I will hold off just a while before I give you the title of my message, but I thank you for your attentiveness, but I thank you now for joining with me in this effort. Let's preach together. I know that I should, for all practical purposes and to let you know the reading of my heart, I should stand here and give honor and credit to all the words of the ministry that has gone forth in this conference. But I think that goes without saying. Let me get into the word of the Lord. And everybody that would like to hear from God for this session, would you just simply tilt your head and your face heavenward and let's say one more time, God. Speak to us. One more time, Father. One more time, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you so kindly. You may be seated. I wish today for just a few moments I could help create through words the experience of sitting in the room where the happening that I have read just a scripture from took place. If you will read between the lines and equate that setting two hours without me having to verbally describe. The setting was 
quite awesome to say the least. For it was that pivotal point where Jesus Christ, having come to this world for a specific purpose, yet needing men for the continuation of that purpose, had amassed together a group of twelve men. He had access to them now for close to three and a half years. Everything that his purpose had brought him here for had to be now placed upon the shoulders of the twelve for its perpetuation and continuation through a very deep and dark valley. The meeting that had been called, no doubt there were varied opinions in the minds of the apostles as to what was going to happen in this session. They were being called to a supper. Generally, eating together has the connotations of more rejoicing together than weeping together. They had been picking up through human reasoning the direction that they felt their association and their continuation or roles in this kingdom that they had been hearing about was going to lead in one particular direction. They no doubt were anticipating some unveiling of a new military strategy that they could get on with the business of setting up this new kingdom that they were identifying with through what they were hearing from their master. They thought in terms of human reasoning as most of us do a lot of times and even the parents or the mother of some of the fellas got involved in it wanting when this new kingdom was set up for one of the boys that she gave birth to to be on one side and the other on the other. I could see how clearly they anticipated their positions and their roles, how they were going to overthrow the adversary, the Roman Empire. They were going to free their people from the bondage of reproach. The anticipation no doubt was high for that supper in that supper room. But when they arrived, it seemed that all the anticipated enthusiasm, they wondered where it was. Instead of lightheartedness, instead of the enthusiasm of expectancy, 
just with the attitude and the words of Jesus Christ himself quickly brought that under the shadow of the impending situation. All of a sudden, Jesus begins to talk of the way that I go, the way that I take. He starts speaking of himself being removed from the stage. Where the lightheartedness of anticipated victories turned into the gloomy attitude of impending tragedy. And it was heightened and worsened when Jesus uttered those unforgettable words, one among you shall betray me. That gave them something to react to. The scripture says that they immediately began to turn to one another, questioning, first of all, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? And then the focus turned inward. Is it I? I never did really understand how Judas could have been so dumb when Jesus, the words are recorded that he spoke the one to whom I give the sop is the one. I didn't understand that, why Judas immediately reached and took the sop until through the coordination of the different gospels I got the picture. Jesus was at probably center stage if the picture that we have is anything to trust. John was sitting by him, we know that through scripture. And then evidently Peter was very close at hand. Peter was the one that was always thinking ahead of the game and he told John, John, now you find this in, in coordination of the different accounts of the setting. John, speak to the master and ask him who it is. John sitting next to him, the scripture talks about he leaned his head over on the breast of the Lord. It was evidently at that moment when he leaned his head over on the breast of the Lord that in his ear, Jesus whispered, it's the one to whom I give the sop. The rest of the crowd never heard the identity of the individual. Judas, not hearing when the sop was given, reached out as though he had been the favored apostle. He was getting some kind of honor for being the bag carrier. And then the piercing words, whatever you do, do quickly. And then my text, and immediately after the sop, 
Satan entered into him. Now, go with me just a little bit. I don't think that this was the first time Satan would like to have entered into the conflict that Judas would be to my Lord. I don't think this is the first time that Satan would like to have aborted or tried to have stopped the ministry of Jesus Christ. I don't think this is the first setting where he tried to rule or take over the divine purpose. It is my opinion that Satan would have liked to have stopped Jesus Christ before the first blind eye was open. Before the first deaf ear was unstopped. Before the first cripple ever stood to walk. And especially before the first dead corpse was presented back to the family alive. I don't think this is the first time that Judas ever showed a wayward attitude or a divided purpose. In fact, I think it was probably many times along the way that Jesus Christ looked in the, into the eyes of Judas at private moments when their eyes would meet Jesus reading in Judas a betrayal spirit and with pleading eyes he would invite him back into the fold of the thinking of the purpose. I don't think that was the first time perhaps many Jesus felt a wayward attitude when things were not going exactly the way Judas understood it to be or understood it should be for Jesus to reach out and take him by the arm and just give him a gentle squeeze. I don't think perhaps that the time between Judas's beginning and when it ended like it did that Judas was beyond the Lord putting his arm around him and whispering, I'm praying for you, Judas, that your faith not fail. I'm saying that it did not have to be Judas to be the betrayer. But somebody had to play the role. I wish today that we had, a, we, we, we had a, a way of understanding how many times Jesus reached for Judas. How many times he tried through a glance of the eye or a touch of the arm or a hug around the shoulder. How many times he tried to pull him back into proper thinking and perspective. 
about the first time that we really get the picture of Judas's attitude gone haywire was when the little woman with the alabaster box broke it to anoint my Lord for his death. While others were standing around wishing that they had something that they could make an expression likewise. While others were praising and glorifying her for having that kind of love, Judah stood off in resentment of what was to go down in history as one of the most preached about experiences. And that's the words of the Lord himself, not me. Wherever my gospel is preached, this little woman's story is going to be told. And while others were, were, were uh, basking in her act of worship, Judas, standing off so far away from the purpose that he didn't even recognize it to be in order. All he could see in this magnanimous praise was waste. This overindulgence of unnecessary worship, all he could see was waste. This, this, this overzealous gesture of love, all he could see was the unnecessity or the unnecessary aspect of it. And while some viewed it as privilege and honor, he reviewed, he reviewed it as shackles. One more time in that setting, Jesus tried to reel Judas back in. Judas, please. The poor you have with you always. I'm not here for long. Let her do what she will. You're not understanding the role she's playing in my tomorrow. The secret of the story is that though Satan would love to have used Judas long before now to have aborted the whole situation, the fact was that Jesus Christ was not finished yet reaching for Judas. When Judas received the sop, and I've always wondered why the sop, if you'll let me give you my feeling about it, there had to be a physical gesture on the part of my Lord 
Okay, Judas. I've tried. It didn't work. Have it your way. And immediately following the sop, Satan entered into him. Now, the moral of the story, and this is what I want to preach to you. Satan could not inhabit until Jesus let go. way until Jesus let go I'm preaching to you today from this subject there's power in holding on I want somebody in this building today to grab a rope and tie a knot in the end of it and you hear me when I say as long as you hold on, Satan has to hold off. And then sometimes we wonder, why the struggle? You know why we wonder why the struggle? We don't realize who we are. If we understood who we are, we'd know why the struggle. In the meeting Monday night, my elder brother Mangan only said a few words. But his words wrapped up the entirety of this meeting. He said, if we could ever realize who we are. I want you to know here tonight or today, we're not just a bunch of Johnnies come lately. I also want you to know we're not just another version of a religious persuasion. We are not a choice on a variety counter of some departmental religious bargain store. Somebody hear me when I tell you today. Somewhere in this world there's going to be a church. And it's not going to be a church. It's going to be the church. And somewhere there's going to be truth. And it's not going to be just a part of truth. It's going to be the truth. Handa la ba, shandala ba, kita ha. 
And I'm not giving glory to the idea that we know everything there's to be known. I'm not saying that. But when it comes to what it takes to be saved, I am persuaded, I am convinced, and I believe in every ounce of this big body that the United Pentecostal Church preaches the gospel of salvation. I got somebody talking tongues with me. Sometimes we feel sorry for the struggles. We feel sorry because we are we are encountered and there's so much effort and struggle goes into victories we feel singled out and we take it personally i got news for you there's not a one of us today that's got enough looks enough education enough influence or whatever for the devil to fight like he fights us it's not because of any of this that Satan fights. The reason he fights is you and I are the only bastion between him and what he wants. And I want to go a little further. It's not because of who we are that's going to make the difference in the stand we take. I'm talking about personally. It's going to be what we stand for that makes the difference. And you hear me, as long as God's true church holds on, the devil has to hold up. Satan cannot possess until we let go. Satan cannot inhabit until we turn loose. What I'm telling you one more time, there's power in holding on. Somebody say it with me and let it ring over this congregation. There's power in holding on. I think probably I may be preaching to some Naboth here today. What I'm telling you is, and you hear me well, it's not just what you're doing, standing where you're standing. There's a chemistry that happens between a man who stands solid and firm in faith. There's a chemistry between that individual and heaven. What I'm 
preaching is you're not alone when you stand for a cause. You just bear with me while I give you a, a mental picture that I see. If it's a pastor over a city, if it's a pastor over a church, if it's a woman praying for a wayward son, it don't matter what the setting is, there's something about God. He tells the guardian angels and those that are in control, you see that little woman? You see her? I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want one of you to stand here and one of you to stand there. Another here and another there. And as long as she holds on. Don't let nothing touch her. Master, when are we going to get off duty? You won't ever get off duty until she gives up. Only her letting go releases you from your duty. But as long as she holds on, you hold everything else off. There's power in holding on. There's power in holding on. You're not standing by yourself. God is standing with you. You're not standing by yourself in your church. God is standing with you. You're not standing by yourself in your city. God is standing with you. There's power in holding on. I want you to reach around to somebody you're standing by. Take them by the hand and look them square in the eyeball. And say you're not alone in this matter. One of the devil's biggest tricks is to make us feel alone. You're all by yourself. If he can get us by ourselves, we'll get under a juniper tree and pray to die. But all he has to do is say, you poor little darling, what you can't see, I've got 7,000 that hasn't bowed a knee to bail yet. You just keep a holding on. And as long as you hold on.
sit down. Naboth, you know it's yours by heritage or inheritance. You know it's yours by divine providence. You know it's yours. And nobody can tell you any different. And something's trying to take it away from you. But the word from here is, hold on, Naboth. Hold on. Hold on. Don't lose your faith. Hold on. There's some preachers that's come to this place from some cities and you have moaned and you have groaned and you have grieved and you have sighed as all of us have at times because of what this one was doing, what that one was doing, what the other was doing, what was going on here and what was going on there. And we have wondered and Satan has pushed us into a corner. And I noticed the other night when whoever it was, I can't remember the name right now or which preacher had said it, but our backs many times are to the wall. And it dawned on me. They said our backs were to the altar. And it just hit me. The only way the devil will ever get your back to the wall is for your back to be to the altar. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I feel something in this meeting like I have never felt in my life. I have heard Brother Anthony Mangan preach, but I've never sensed the touch of anointing like I felt on him that first night. The ministry that has come to this pulpit has been ordained and anointed of God beyond these men. And they would tell you, I cannot preach that way under ordinary circumstances. But there's something about the hunger of this meeting. There's something about the yearning of the souls of God's preachers to get direction. God signally anoints and blesses this meeting seemingly above even some of our business sessions and conference conference kind of or business kind of conferences I'm not throwing stones at general conference or anything I'm just saying there's something about the hunger of this meeting that brings a touch of God's anointing beyond ourselves can anybody hear me today can anybody understand where I'm going and what I'm headed for you hear me today when God has a a significant position for a man to be placed in. That man is not standing there of his own volition or his own accord. And he's not standing there in his own human understanding, reasoning or strength. But there's a chemistry in heaven that says as long as you hold on, there'll be nothing able to take your city. Nothing can take your vision. Nothing can take anything that belongs to you. I'm preaching. I'm preaching to a mother here today.
I'm preaching to a daddy. That boy has gone haywire. And the devil has told you in the midnight hours when you thought nobody else cared, you may as well give up and throw in the towel. I'm talking to preachers. Satan's been working on your mind for weeks and months now and even stretching into years that you may as well give up this idea of taking your city. You may as well throw in the towel. In fact, he's telling some of you, and I'm preaching to somebody specifically right now, the devil has told you you're a has-been. You don't have no anointing on your life. And what you have not realized is every tree goes through the process of seasons. You say, but I want to be an evergreen. An evergreen don't bear fruit, sir. Every tree is going to go through the winter time. And you're going to be stripped. But hold on. Spring's coming. It ain't over. It ain't over. Just because you lose the fruit and because you lose the green don't mean it's over. Just hang on. Springtime's a coming. There's power in holding on. Somebody say it with me. There's power in holding on. Does anybody feel like just kind of bobbing a little bit? Anybody feel like doing a little more than bobbing? My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Reach over and touch the shoulder of somebody by you and say, Lord, let my brother and sister know. We go through seasons, but winter time hasn't killed us. Springtime is coming. Just hold on. know why the devil works over time trying to get you to throw in the towel because he knows who you are it ain't just you know who you are he knows as well who you are and that's the reason he's wanting to get you out of the way. 
You know why he's working on the families? He knows the families. The family unit is his greatest deterrent to confusion. And everything else that the lack of love can render to the human existence. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your church. He wants to destroy your city. He wants to destroy your lost loved ones. And he works overtime because there's something in heaven that won't let him possess until you let go. And when you let go, he can march in. I got news for you, Mr. Devil. There's a little plot of territory that God has assigned me to stand in. And I am not letting go. I don't care who comes. I don't care who goes. I don't care who says what. I have been ordained of God to plant my feet. And there's something about God. As long as I hold on, He holds on with me. Come on, somebody give him a high five. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. We may as well go ahead and have a good time. We may as well go ahead and enjoy our salvation. Why don't you just go ahead and do right now what you feel like doing? Receive your healing. Receive your healing. much time. If you want to just stand with me, go ahead. Abraham. Who are those fellows at your tent?
the law of human reasoning. Possibility of rendering myself useless. I might not order that. But you might not believe in angels. Come on, come on, come on now, Mr. Abraham. Who, 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 who are those characters in your tent there? Who, who is that? Well, just some folks that came to bear a message. Who is the message from? Well, if you wouldn't believe who they were, you probably wouldn't believe who. Come on, come on. Come on, level with me. Who were they? What's the deal? What's going on? Well, it's just my friend. He, he had a little something that he planned to do to a place over here that I've got a little interest in. And before he did it, he just wanted to know how I felt about it first. Honey, as long as you hold on, even God holds off. Seems like sometimes it gets to me into my fingers. Did you ever get to feeling that way? I wish I could do the ham bone. Somebody shout hallelujah. I wish I had time to read the scriptures. Brother Mike Williams is ready for it. Brother Mike, can we read fast? Talk about the woman before the unjust judge. Brother Mike, Luke 18, 3 through 8. And there was a widow in that city. Okay. And she came unto him saying, Avenge me of my adversary. All right, all right. And he would not for he a while. He would not for a But afterward, he oh, said within oh, himself. Oh, oh, he wouldn't for a while. Go ahead. But afterward, afterward, he said within himself, uh-huh. though I fear not God nor regard man, though I couldn't care less what you stand for, and I couldn't care less who's standing behind you, yet, yet, because this widow troubleth me, because she troubles me now. I will avenge her. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to acquiesce because I'm afraid in ultimately she's going to not by just her trouble her continual me. coming, she weary me. I'm just troubled now. I'm afraid I'm going to get weary. <laughs> Honey, I'm telling you, you can even wear the devil out holding on. You hear me? I said you can even wear the devil out holding on. Read me that other one. 
my God. And behold, a woman of Canaan came. Now this was a woman who wasn't supposed to be coming to Jesus, but came. She wasn't going to an unjust judge. She was going to the master. Okay. And cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Yeah. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. Didn't answer a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth at Send her out of here. Get rid of her. She's a Gentile. She... <laughs> But he answered and he said. He didn't open his mouth first. And then they started pleading for him to get rid of her. And then he opened his mouth. I am not sent, but in the lost sheep of the house I of Israel. I come to your kind. I come to the lost sheep of Israel. <laughs> then came she and worshipped him. Oh, but honey. Saying, Lord, It don't matter where you me. come from. If you can ever get in a worshipful posture. It don't matter what storms come. It don't matter what thievery happens. It doesn't matter what you suffer. If you still know how to worship. Saying, Lord, help me. Help me. But he answered and said, it is not me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, truth, Lord. Hey, hey, I know I'm not supposed to be here. I know it's not right. And I'm worshiping you because I love you. And I know that's unacceptable. But... When everybody else gets full, the dogs eat. Could the Gentile dog have a crumb? Uh, then Jesus answered and said unto her, Then Jesus answered, O woman, O woman, great is thy faith. Great. Be oh, it unto thee, hold even it, as hold thou. It. Do, you, do you understand what happens to God when you hold on? That's where he puts the definition to faith. If you hold on, that's faith. Great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And go on to the next one. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. Hold it just a minute. Somewhere I might have missed it when you went through. But he said, in this gesture of faith, I wonder the time lapse between now and when I come back, with that being the definition of faith, will I find any faith in Israel when I come back? What he's saying is, will there be anybody 
left holding on. Has anybody here today got faith to hold on for your city? Has anybody here today got faith to go against the adversary, the doubt maker? Has anybody got faith that your church is going to have revival regardless of what the devil says? here today that says regardless of what my boy has done nor where he is right now my God is going to bring him home have I got a mother and a daddy that believes that that girl that's gone, gone haywire gone off somewhere and you don't know where she is and the devil in sleepless nights tries to make you convinced that there's no reason there's no use there's no all hope is gone but something deep down says but there's something about the way I feel I know it's hopeless now but something inside me tells me to hold on hold on hold on hold on is anybody here today in a frame of mind of holding on hold your faith hold your doctrine I don't know a whole lot about a lot of things but I know God's going to have a church and there's one thing I know that church is going to believe. That church is going to believe in one God. And that church is going to believe in holiness. And the first is because we are the offspring and the latter day grafted in of that first bunch. That still to this day says there's not but one God. That church of the end time is going to believe in that one God. And it's going to have to believe in holiness. And I'm not talking about one aspect. I'm talking about the whole ball of wax, honey. Because I don't know what it is and how to explain it and all there is to it. I just know one thing. The reason the church is going to have it is because without it, we ain't going to see God. Without holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. We're going to believe in one God. And we're going to believe in holiness. And we're going to have a name. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to your miracles. Hold on to your dream. Hold on to your doctrine. There's power in holding on.